So welcome back. I'm glad you're here again on this Sunday, August the 15th, which is kind of a pretty famous date in history. It's Napoleon's birthday. It's Julius Caesar's birthday. And it's my birthday. Not to say that I want to kind of equate myself with those folks in history, but it's my birthday. So, But I'm going to get to do something I love to do, and that's talk to you about King Jesus on this day. And today, here in the Sermon on the Mount, we come to probably one of the top three most famous passages in all of Scripture. Now, I think, you know, if I had to rate them, that's just my opinion, I would say Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, probably number one. Um, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, probably number two. And then here, the Lord's Prayer, probably number three. Now, if you're grown up in more of a liturgical religious experience, uh, maybe Catholicism or Methodist or Presbyterian, something like that, the Lord's Prayer is probably very familiar to you because you said it a lot and you say it a lot. Kind of in the Baptist world, we really don't say it a lot. And in fact, I've blown it trying to quote it before, but I, I have sang it quite a bit. But this is, a, this is an important passage of Scripture. And it's really what's giving us is the, the disciples' prayer is really what it's called. And what this is, is not a prayer that we repeat kind of on rote, but it's a pattern of praying that we achieve to. And what Jesus is doing, Jesus is systematically showing the ones who are going to follow them, how are they going to live? Now, last week we talked about generosity and about the heart of hypocrisy. Now, Jesus then turns his attention towards, okay, if you're going to live this way, you got to learn how to pray. And so what he does is give them example. This is found in Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 15. So we're going to deal with that uh, today. And as I study this prayer, this prayer, I found a very interesting pattern. And now, I'm not alone in my discovery. For many scholars have found the same pattern. In, in teaching this prayer, I also want to challenge you, okay, to make this next week a week of prayer. Now, what do you mean, Scott? Well, a week of prayer. We're going to help you with that. On our campus, we have a prayer wall. Now, if you don't live in our area, obviously you can't use the prayer wall. But we have a prayer wall. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide for you. In fact, you can, you can go on, online and find a prayer guide for this week. Some specific things to pray for. It's going to be a week of prayer. Now, I mentioned the prayer wall because uh, at noon every day of this next week, Monday through Friday, we're going to gather intentionally and pray at the prayer wall. Now, why are we going to do that? Because we need to pray. Our church needs to be a church of prayer. And we want to pray for various things. Then coming up on August the 25th, we're going to have a prayer gathering. That's a Wednesday night. It's going to be live streamed, so you can join us online wherever you are. And we're going to have a night of prayer and praise. We're going to talk about what God's doing through us in, in the world, through our missional expression. And we're going to be talking about the movement of God and getting ready for the fall as God really kind of aligns our lives back together as I think people are going to return greatly to the gospel in the fall, whether it's online or in person, they're going to come back because this world, we know we need Jesus. So it's going to be a week of prayer. And, and then, of course, we're going to have a prayer gathering. So you look forward to those things. And then let me remind you also this fall, we're going to launch some online groups as we give you the disciple-making process of Jesus and living all for Jesus. So that'll be fun on the weekends and in our group experience. So we're, we're going to do this. Uh, for me. And so what I've discovered over the course of my life in prayer, it's been a challenge for me because I'm a bit ADD. I think you probably noticed that in my speaking. I'll chase this or chase that because I'm a bit ADD. I'm not like uh, one of our pastors, Tom Crick, who's a Six Sigma 
engineer. I'm not even sure what that means, but he is this amazingly systems guy, and he thinks systematically. I'm creative. I think, you know, like global, environmental. And, and so sometimes I've had a, I have trouble praying because of focus. So what I've learned to do is journal my prayers. I write to keep me focused. And so it's not about how you pray or the posture of your praying. Do you have to pray on your knees, pray on your face, whatever? It's not about any of that. It's not even about closing your eyes. Do you know why people close their eyes when they pray? Because the Hebrew scholars believed when he entered the presence of God, even in prayer, the closing of the eyes was symbolic to shield your eyes from the Shekinah glory of God. It's symbolic. We close our eyes because God in his great glory is so bright and so magnanimous, we cannot view him. So in prayer, we close our eyes as a symbol of his glory. Isn't that kind of cool? I didn't know that until I did, and now you do, and that's why we close our eyes to, to pray to, as a symbol of coming in to the presence, the Shekinah glory of God. So this prayer, um, well, you don't need to understand it, but you need to understand the pattern. And it's not about something you can repeat, but what you can do to help you adjust to God. Now, we can read it, we can quote it, and we can go. However, there's some insights that we need to share that's going to be helpful. Why? Because prayer makes me aware. It doesn't make God aware. It doesn't inform God. He doesn't need information or awareness. He's already there. God is not ADD. Okay, just saying. But prayer makes me aware of God and this pattern for my life. And this prayer pattern that Jesus gives us is a guide for us to have awareness of him and how to seek his face and that's going to bring life to you. So let's look at this pattern of prayer found in the disciples' prayer here in Matthew 6. So, Father, thank you for what you're going to say and do for us as we look at this prayer that you prayed as an example for us to, um, well, to live for your glory. And I pray you speak to, to us and through for us and through us and through me as only you can. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Now, if you don't take notes, I wish you would. You might want to jot some things down because this is going to give you an, an idea of what is here. Also, I want to remind you of the life group material that we have provided for you through our content. Also, we offer Right Now Media, which is Christian Netflix, basically, and we give that to you for free. You just email us and we'll take care of that. And if you're viewing for the first time, we'd like to give you a gift if you'll just say, click your, uh, raise your hand or send us your email address, we're going to send you a really cool gift. And uh, we, we've got some really cool T-shirts we'd like to give you. So uh, if you'll do that, uh, Pastor Scott Tidwell, our on online campus pastor, he'll be glad to share that with you. So let's jump into this and let's see. Here's the first thing I want to read. I want to read the prayer. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then there's this doxology that's added, but I'm going to read it because I think it's important. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now that was added after the original text, but I think it's a good doxology. and It's a good way to end this prayer. And so that was added, not some unscholarly, unbiblical, untheological way, but Man, those words are right. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So that's a good way to end this prayer. So, But I want you to look at these things. Here's the first thing. Let's look at the relationship of prayer. 
Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Our Father. We are not praying to a distant deity. We're praying to a daddy God. Our Father. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received in the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. That's Romans 8.15. I love that. We are the beloved of God and need to approach him in that beloved relational manner. Now, when Jesus gave this pattern of prayer, obviously that Jesus was praying to his Father, but he was also saying, hey, 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 those of you who believe in me are adopted now into the family. You're part of the family of God where God is your loving, devoted Father, our Father, your name be holy. We can approach him with confidence, knowing that he loves us. Listen to what the author of Hebrews said. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can find mercy, the language of heaven, and grace, the goodness of God in our time of need. I love that. We approach God. Our confidence, we must remember, though, God's holiness. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that he's against us, but he's for us, but he's not like us. He's to be holy and revered and honored, not flippantly dismissed. I, uh, I loved my dad and I respected him. When I was a teenager, I did not show that respect. And I regret that. In fact, I apologize to my father for the way that I showed a lack of respect for him when I was a teenager. You know what he said? He said, son, it's all right. I always knew your heart. Even when you were a little jerk, I knew your heart. And that's a loving father. And that's the way God is with us. Listen to what God says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't have a God in our image, but we have a God in his holiness. Oh, wow. He has made us holy by the blood of Jesus. And we are reflecting his holiness. Listen to what Peter said this. But as the one who's called you holy because of Jesus, you are also to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of, of life inherited from your ancestors, not with the perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of unblemished and spotless lamb. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so your faith and hope are in God. We pray to a Father God who is not like us, but he wants us to become like him. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Wow. But I want you to see this. Not just the relationship of prayer, but the resolve of prayer. Why do we pray? And what is the heartbeat of our prayer? Jesus said, this is your pattern. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the resolve of our lives that we might live for the will and the kingdom of God. Uh, as I've aged, and I've said this is my birthday, um, I've come to live with a greater urgency that the kingdom of God will never be manifest in my lifetime here on this earth. 
But I can live in such a way to give people a glimpse, a glimpse of God, a glimpse of his kingdom, a taste of his mercy, a taste of his salvation, a taste of the way it ought to be. I think about my friends in Cuba who are living under the tyranny. They need a taste of freedom. I think about my friends in Mexico and Colombia and Costa Rica and the Hamptons in Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi and Colorado in Canada who just need a taste, a taste of the kingdom of God. Hmm. I pray that his kingdom will come. I pray for our nation that by doing this and living out the great commandment, the great commission, people could come to a saving knowledge of God and our culture of the United States, which is broken and depraved, will be changed. Wow. This is a great missional prayer guide. Why do we go on mission? Why do we live out missional lives? Because we want to see the kingdom come. Even though we'll never feel, fully see it established in our lifetime, God wants us to live in such a way that he would be famous. We can live as a redeemed church, a redeemed people, giving God the glory and the people a glimpse of his kingdom through unity and love. I think that's pretty amazing. The relationship and resolve. What about the resources of prayer? Give us today our bread. Have y'all ever noticed that the kingdom, the kitchen of Jesus is always open the night before the, and the bread is baked before we need it? He's always ahead of us. Always. God is the giver of all good things. Uh, last week we talked about generosity and we talked about you can't outgive God and you can't. And he's the one who's going to provide for us our daily bread. And that's what he does. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, the theological word for God who does not change is called immutability. He will not be silenced, and he will not change. Wow. Gives me confidence. The provision of God is always prepared before we even know we have a need. God is always ahead of us. He's always working for us. He knows our need before we know it. And this is a prayer of confidence that God is the supplier. Listen to what it says in Philippians. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his richest glory in Christ Jesus. Our daily bread is baked in the kitchen of Jesus before we even have a need. It's pretty amazing. But let's shift now to the renewal of prayer. The relationships of prayer and the resources of prayer, the resolve of prayer, but the renewal of prayer. And forgive us our debts, as we've also forgiven our debtors. See, the greatest gift God gives us is forgiveness, the forgiveness of sin. In him, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That's what Christ has done. We live in freedom because of Jesus. He has forgiven us on the cross. And he's shown us his power through an empty tomb, through his glorious resurrection. So we live in the promises of God, in the renewal of God, because we have been forgiven. Then I can forgive then because I've been forgiven. I can forgive, thus releasing me from the grip of bitterness and resentment because I've been forgiven. Some teach that if you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. That's just not true. Because we have been forgiven, we have the authority, power, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be forgivers. Some have said that Christian who does not forgive is not a Christian at all. I'm not sure that's true. 
I would say a Christian who's living with bitterness and resentment is immature, and they, they're carnal. They're not living all for Jesus. And I want to say this to you. If your life is marked with bitterness and resentment, and you claim to be a Christ follower, man, you need to check your heart. I, okay, I hear people say this. Well, Pastor Scott, I've been hurt by the church. I've been a pastor for 40 years. You think I've ever been hurt by the church? Every week, even this week, people complaining about stuff that doesn't matter. About doesn't matter. People counting the number of hymns, whatever that is we sing. It's ridiculous. But I'm to be a forgiver. Because if I hold on to resentment, man, it, it pollutes my life. Forgive me my debt so I can be a great forgiver. That's what he's talking about. Jesus breaks the power of cancel sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood has made the vileness clean. His blood availed to me. Which is quoting of him. <laughs> Who knew? I knew. Thought I'd work that in. But then there's the rescue of prayer. And do not bring us into temptation, into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In fact, uh, some translations says deliver us from evil. But this translation said deliver us from the evil one. I love that because it's a personification of the very one who's the enemy of our soul, and that's Satan himself and his demonic forces that are at work in the world. You know, a lot of times we're not dealing with evil people. We're dealing about evil who has influenced people. That's what we're dealing with. God never tempts us. Listen to this, what he says in James. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil, he himself does not tempt anyone. Now, trials come, which feels like temptation. Our troubles come, which feels like trials. And God leverages those things. Temptation is common for man, but Jesus is providing a way of escape. He is faith. He gives us faith, and he is faithful to deliver us from temptation. And that's what we're declaring. God, be faithful to deliver me, but also help me to be wise to see your way of escape, that I don't have to give in to temptation. Now, being tempted is not a sin. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said this about temptation. He said, I, I cannot keep the birds from flying over my head, but I can't keep them from building a nest in my hair. And he's talking about temptation, that allowing temptation to infiltrate your mind, and that temptation becomes an obsession, the obsession becomes an action, that I could stop temptation by asking God to help me, and he will. He will. He is faithful. Jesus is always the answer to our temptation. And finally, let's end this with the rejoicing of prayer. And this is that great doxology. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We should always end our prayers with the assurance of praise. Always thanking God. Always thanking God. Although this was added... It is so uplifting, and it's to conclude this time of prayer with God, a declaration of God's sovereignty and God's love and God's power and for his glory. And the amen just really means, I agree. I agree. Listen to what Peter says again. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory 
forever. Amen. Hmm. Now that you know how to pray, will you? Will you? Over the next five days, six days, we'll be challenging you to pray in this fashion. Write out your request to God and place them in a special place, maybe in the prayer wall, maybe in a special place in your home. And, and follow the prayer guide. And this is the prayer guide, kind of the backbone of it, the relationship with God, the resolve, the resources, the renewal, the rescue, and the rejoicing. Over the next, well, I said five days to begin with, let's go for six. Relationship resolve, resources renewal, rescue, and rejoicing. Finally, let me end it with this. And don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Boy, that's so good. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this simple teaching of your word that is so complex and so life-giving. And I pray over the next week we will be determined to be people of prayer who seek your face. Not just your hand, but your face. Praying this pattern of prayer that leads us to follow you. And Father, for some who are listening, they need to whisper this prayer. Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. Be my savior. Forgive my sins. Offer you, King Jesus. Jesus, I'm yours. Thank you for leading us in this time. And we pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Now I want you to listen to this next song. And as you do, if you prayed with me that prayer of salvation, you prayed Jesus, I'm yours, just raise your hand, let us know, and maybe jump into a prayer room and let us pray for you. Uh, and thank you again for your generosity. Keep giving that the gospel may go forward in power. This day of our internet providing this content has changed us and is changing the world. Thank you for making it possible as you give with the heart of Jesus. And remember, I'm, I love you, and I thank God for you, and I look forward to seeing you. So happy birthday to me. Thanks for joining me on this day.